Yeah, move this back a little bit. Merry Christmas, everybody. So I'm back here. So it's been a while, but um, every time I'm here in front of everybody, it's always a humbling experience. And I and everyone was teasing me today, um, calling me a pastor, and I said blasphemy. <laughs> it is not an easy task doing this. Like, I think this is my second time this year, or th third time, and it still gives me nerves. And it's so difficult to tame it, so difficult to calm my nerves down. But, and this time around, Pastor Joe asked me to preach regarding Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. So we're still in our Christmas series. And before we jump into our message, let's open up in prayer and let's pray for the kids for their Sunday school. Let's bow down our heads. Father God in heaven, Jesus, we praise you and thank you for you are so faithful to us, Lord God. You are good. You deserve all praise, Lord God. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You're all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present God. Lord I just ask that you will be with us tonight, Lord God. Speak to your people, Lord God. Anoint my lips and override my preparation, Lord. Lord, I pray that you and you alone will speak to your people. And that let this be the night for those who haven't received you yet. Let this be the night that they will come to know you personally. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So right before we jump into our message tonight, I have a test for everyone. Let's see what you got when, when it comes to the knowledge of Christmas and the Bible. Alright, you ready for the test? Dude, it's not working. There you go. Perfect. Okay, so when is the birthday of Jesus? Is it December 25th? June 14th? January 6th, or who knows? What's the answer? Okay, are you sure? December 25. No, that's the wrong answer. January 6th is the wrong answer. June 14 is my birthday, so don't forget about that. So the right answer is who knows, right? So, in fact, the first 300 years, early Christians didn't celebrate Christmas. It only started after 300 years. The bishop in Rome said, decided on December 25, and the bishop in Jerusalem said, it is January 6, and June 14 is my birthday, okay? <laughs> Just want to repeat it. Second question, who told Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem? A, is it the angel? Is it a dream or Caesar Augustus? I heard angel. Who said a dream? Dustin said C, Caesar Augustus. This is for 200 points in heaven. You're right, man. 
Caesar Augustus, it is a decree that they have to tally the census. Right? Third question, what did the innkeeper said to Mary and Joseph? Did the innkeeper said, we have no room in the inn? You can stay in our stable or none of the above? I gave the answer away, so you should know that. <laughs> right? So it's none of the above. Okay? So there was no innkeeper mentioned in the Bible. Okay, for our last question. All right. How did Mary and Joseph get to Bethlehem? Did they walk? They, or did Joseph walk and she rode the donkey? Or is it through FICF, his ride ministry? Or is it, who knows? Oh, you should know better by now. It's who knows. There was no mention of a donkey or how they got there. So we just assume it's a donkey because it's the most common means of transportation at that time, right? But there's no mention. So my task tonight, so did you do well in that test? I hope you did. That's 200 points in heaven. Dustin got it. So Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Jesus, and the whole world celebrates it. You know that? Either you're a Christian or you don't believe in Jesus or either because you're just curious about him or it's just because it's a tradition. Everybody celebrates it, right? So Jesus really impacted history. So he is the greatest person who ever lived. So if there is such thing as a goat, that's Jesus, right? So he's the GOAT, not MJ nor LeBron James. So if you're a basketball fan, you'll get that. So his birth and his coming changed history. He is the greatest person to ever live. Without Jesus, the whole world today would be different. Some examples is our calendar from BC to AD, before Christ and after death, right? So it's patterned because of Jesus. How about education? Education was launched massively because of Christians. Early believers believed that you and I must be educated in order to know the truth. Did you know universities started as seminaries? University is a two word, uni and versatis. Uni means one, it's whole, versatis, which means truth, one truth, right? These famous universities we know of, Princeton's, Harvard, and etc., they all started as seminaries. Isn't that crazy? Nowadays, they've gone astray. They don't even talk about Jesus, right? It's offensive. So, and how about social work? Do you know Red Cross, International Red Cross, was started by a Christian businessman named Henry Dunant. How about values? Values of forgiveness and humility. Back in the days, people are pretty barbaric. You know, one person asked Genghis, Khan's, Genghis Khan, "What is the best in life?" 
you know what his answer is? His answer is, best in life is to destroy your enemies. See them running. See their women crying. That's what he said. How about during the time of Jesus, the Roman Empire? For them, forgiveness is weakness. So they never forget. They will crucify people. They will behead. Right? So it's a sign of weakness. But Jesus is different, folks. Jesus is so radical. He was outside the norm during that days. So when Jesus came, when Jesus came, he taught us radical ways of living. Right? He said instead of him to say, instead of him to say and be just in the norm of like, go ahead and take your revenge. No. He said, forgive. He said to love, right? So Jesus is really different. So my question to you is this. With all those things we just talked so far, is Jesus just a person? Or is he more than that? Right? Is he the Messiah that Isaiah talked about? 700 years before he was born? Is he the Emmanuel that we talked about last two weeks, right? The Emmanuel who is going to save us. The Emmanuel who is with us, right? So as we've learned in the last two Sundays, Jesus is God's greatest gift to you and me. If you've listened to Pastor Joe, you should remember, right? Jesus is God Himself, the Emmanuel, God with us. He is the what? The propitiation, I'm having a hard time with that word, for our sins. He is the light when we are in deep darkness. So remember, the point is, Jesus must light, right? So, I have a question for you guys. Suppose an alien from another planet, from another galaxy, was to come and visit Earth during this time around, during Christmas. What do you think that alien would discover and conclude about Christmas? Would that alien conclude that it is about Santa or is it about the Savior? Will that alien conclude, is it about Rudolph and the red-nosed reindeer? Or is it about the Redeemer? Is it about the Jingle Bells? Or is it about Jesus? Is it a Happy Holidays? Or is it a Merry Christmas? Sadly, the world we live in today, we have watered down Christmas. It becomes so commercialized. Do you know Macy's hire more employees during this time around just to cater to you and me? The average American will spend $700 on holiday gifts and goodies this year alone. Right? According to NRF, there will be Americans will spend at around $465 billion in gifts and goodies. Make sure you give it to me. Okay? It's sad because we give more to each other even to people we don't like. Right? But we don't give to the celebrant, though. 
Right? Isn't that sad? It's supposed to be all about Him. And us Christians are guilty of this too. Right? We could care less about giving. Right? It is a command. We could care less about it. But we can spend on the things that are fleeting. On the things that are temporary. So we should start greeting each other. Christmas. Merry Christmas-less. Oh no. Christ-less. <laughs> right? And instead of Merry Christmas. So, and now in our society, greeting Merry Christmas is, has become offensive. You know that Jer David Jeremiah once said, All the Christmas presents in the world are worth nothing without the presence of Christ. Right? So, all the things we receive this Christmas is worth nothing if you don't have the greatest gift you will ever or you will ever receive and that is the person of Jesus so for us to properly celebrate we must know him not just superficially but personally right so we must know him by his name by his nature right did you know there's more than 250 names and titles of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation? But we will come down to Isaiah 9, verse 6. Right? Isaiah described this Messiah, which is Jesus, in four names. Right? So, it is a concise package that appears nowhere else in the Bible. Taken together, these four names... They encapsulate the totality, the person, and the work of Jesus. Who He is and what He does. So tonight, we will look at two out of four. Because four is too many. <laughs> Maybe we'll continue with the other two next week. See, um, Two of those names. So the title of our message tonight is Call Him. You know, the hardest part in giving a preaching for me, I just found out, is coming up with a title. <laughs> I don't know why. So I come up with this title. Call Him. Call Him what? Right? Call Him by His wonderful name. So I want you all to stand up and we'll read our main text for this night. So let's all read together. And three, two, one, go. For a child will be born for us, son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and righteousness, from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Thank you. You may have a seat. So on to our first point. Call him Wonderful Counselor. So we will talk about Wonderful Counselor and Prince of Peace tonight. So why is Jesus the Wonderful Counselor? Why is Jesus the wonderful counselor? I want you to answer, but this is not the young adult, so i got to continue on. So, 
Isaiah 9, verse 6, it reads, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulder. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So I want you to focus on that Wonderful Counselor. But let me remind you, the very reason that Jesus came into this world is stated right here in this verse. For a child will be born for who? For you and me. For us. A son will be given to us. So that's the very reason why Jesus was born. is because for you and for me. Right? So wonderful counselor literally means wonder of a counselor. Wonder of a counselor. He is the one, this wonderful counselor is the one that will give wondrous counsel and unfailing wisdom. So the one, the word wonderful in the Bible, and I've researched it, it means marvelous, extraordinary, beyond the normal capacity to perform. That's what wonderful means. So, in this text, the word wonderful emphasizes the deity of Jesus Christ. The deity of Jesus Christ. The word wonderful, did you know, that was never used in the Bible to describe David or Moses or the great prophets. It was always used to describe God, to describe His marvelous acts, to describe what He has done. The word wonderful in the Hebrew text, it says, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, pala, P-A-L-A, okay, but I listened to it, it's pala. So that's what it means. It is used primarily with the God as its subject, expressing actions that are beyond the bounds of human powers and expectation. It is amazing how Moses himself, after they crossed the Red Sea, described God this way. Exodus 15, 11, it reads, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious is His holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. So that's Moses' description of God right after the cross, the Red Sea. Just imagine being there, right? Just crossing the Red Sea, just like crossing the street. But it's amazing. There's walls of seas. So, how about the word counselor? What does the word counselor mean? So, we have to look at those two words. Wonderful counselor. right? So, what does the word counselor mean? So, the word counselor here emphasizes Jesus' humanity. So, Jesus, again, is fully God. And at the same time, he's fully human. Because if he's not, then he will not be the wonderful counselor. He will not be. Because he will never understand us if he then became a human. He will never understand our struggles. So, so because a good counselor is able to empathize with other struggles, but let me tell you that there are different kinds of counselor. In a psychological perspective, you can call it a psychologist. In a 
governmental perspective, it could be an advisor, right? Or in a legal perspective, it could be your attorney or an advocate. So that's what a counselor is. Today, we live in a world where we act as if like we're counselors, right? We know better. Just Google it, Dr. Google, right? So we, you get sick, you Google it. So we act as if we're psychiatrists, psychoanalysts, and the therapist. You know, therapist, you take out the T-H-E, it becomes rapist. <laughs> Just, that's uh, our joke in the mental health world, okay? <laughs> so, trivia. So most of people nowadays think that they, we, we know better. Sometimes we play as if we are good advisors. Do this, my friend, and you will surely succeed and be happy. No. If you're in a search for a wonderful and the perfect counselor, you will never find it. You know, it's funny how I research it and I, I research it and I, I, found, I found out. So I put in on Google and type in what makes a good counselor. So, and then according to counseling today, it reads, it says that, a great counselor is someone who can use compassion, empathy, respect, and authenticity to form a genuine, trusting relationship with their clients. So if you're in search of that, good luck, because you'll never find one, right? So let me tell you that not all counselors are good, right? Not all counselors are good. So did you know that through a counselor, that we fell into sin? Through a counselor that we fell into sin. Satan got Eve involved in a psychoanalysis. And then she got Adam involved in a group therapy. Right? And together, they plunged the whole world into insanity. So, <laughs> and we're here now. So, if you listen to what the world says, or which the enemy, by the way, runs it, right? You will end up in a limbo of confusion. So because that's what the enemy do. He cast ideas into our heads, right? That's what he did with Eve, right? You can become God, right? But let me tell you that there is nowhere you can find the perfect counselor, right? For me personally, working in a mental health, I see this firsthand, and I am guilty of this too. I take care of depressed and suicidal patients, and etc. But I was never allowed to say to point these people into the right direction. I have to consider what that person will think, what that person will that person take my advice or not. So I have to be like just in between, be very fluid, right? That's what it is nowadays, be fluid and you're in, right? So it's really difficult as a nurse and at the same time, you're a Christian. Because you are never to mention the name of Jesus. Basically, they just have, you just give them options and the rest for them to figure out. Here's the resources for you. Good luck and figure it out yourself. 
<laughs> it's really crazy. So I think we've talked about this. So based on that description of a good counselor, is Jesus the wonderful counselor that Isaiah described? Right? Is Jesus the good counselor? And the answer to that is yes. Do you agree? Amen. Big amen. amen. There you go. Because it's getting quiet. Alright. So, Jesus is the wonderful counselor that solves our confusion. The counselor that will have the answer to our biggest questions in life. Right? So, what makes Jesus the perfect, wonderful counselor? Two things. What makes Jesus a wonderful counselor? Because He is God's wisdom. He is God's wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.24, it reads, But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. That's how Paul described Him. Right? Jesus is God Himself. He is fully God and fully human. Right? So He is wonderful because He has these attributes that God has. And at the same time, what makes a perfect, wonderful counselor is that because he completely understands you. He completely understands you. Hebrews 2.17, it reads, In all things, he had to be made like his brothers so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted, in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So he understands you completely. So if you think that you are the only one struggling with something, think twice. Because Jesus himself was tempted. And during that time, it was very difficult. Right? He suffered for you and me. So... Jesus went through every single struggles that we could think of. Right? Jesus understand what we're going through. He knew that we need to be rescued. Right? He knew that we will not make it on our own. So if you're looking for a direction because you're lost or because you're tired, turn to the wonderful counselor. Turn to Jesus. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 29, is perfectly described it. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So that's what a wonderful counselor is. Fully God and fully human, able to forgive us, and at the same time, understands us, right? So, what do we do as believers? So, what do we do with this as believers, right? The starting point, we have to start, as Christian, we have to start pointing people to the right direction. Point them to Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor, Jesus is the perfect counselor who will understand you, who has compassion, who will be empathetic, and at the same time, very authentic and genuine. 
He is the perfect counselor that the counseling today described. So with Jesus' counsel, you just don't find rest, but you will also find healing with your body, mind, and soul. Isn't that long? But anyways, that's what wonderful counselor is all about. And we have access to it. We have access to it. So moving on into our second point. Call him the Prince of Peace. Ooh. I like that title. Vince, Prince of Peace. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Isaiah 9.6 again, it says, He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and the Prince of Peace. Right? So according to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, I googled it again because Google has the answer. It is the um, peace is defined as freedom from disturbance, a state of tranquility. So that's what peace is. So if you like to travel, you're probably in a hunt for peace. But the question is, have you found it? Right? Have you found peace? I don't think so. Nowadays, it's very difficult to find peace. 2020 alone is nowhere near peaceful, right? We're in the midst of a pandemic, a chaotic elections, right? So, and to name a few. So everywhere you look, even if you turn on your TV today, it's not, it's not about good stuff. All you hear and all you see is chaos, problems, and divisions. And disasters, right? I'm gonna try this. But there is this poem, poem, I don't know how you say it, from W.B. Yeats, The Second Coming, and it reads Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. So it is a pretty dark picture that paints about the reality of lack of peace, a lack of societal foundation. This poem is all about that. The second coming, by the way, is a poem that describes the apocalypse, the Christian apocalypse, right? So it is a falling apart of peace and harmony, and this is what we see in our society today, a lack of peace and harmony. In this country alone, we are divided in different kinds of things. It might be because of the political issues or as petty as who's the GOAT in basketball, right? LeBron James or Michael Jordan. So it's actually Kobe Bryant. So, yeah. So many of us is on a quest of search for peace, right? We do yoga, meditation, guided imagery, all those things, just to find peace, the inner peace. Find your Zen, right? So, as we are constantly trying to find peace with our own strength, hoping that we will eventually find it, we will always fail. It doesn't matter how hard you try. We always seem to come up a little bit short. Right? Isaiah described that for the wicked, there is no peace. 
There is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. So that's why you can't find peace on your own. I remember when I was a young boy, probably I was like eight years old back in the Philippines. I didn't really know much. And then, so I grew up in a community where probably there's less than 5,000 people. Like everybody knows everybody, basically. And then there's this guy that got robbed and he was murdered. And then the next day, I was so, you know, chismoso, I guess, and curious. So we went to that crime scene, and then my friend pulled me, and pulled me into the back of the house, and I saw that body, that dead body. And I tell you, until now, I still, when I close my eyes, I can still remember what the position of that body is. And since then, it made me, really fearful about death and about dying right that's that was my greatest fear as a child and i carried that with me until my teenage years and even my college days right so when i went to nursing school my mom forced me to in a way since <laughs> um, when i went to nursing school my my fear was to see a dead body you know i don't want that I don't want to be any part of that. So that was my fear. And I remember being so afraid of what's going to happen when I die. That was my question. Or what's going to happen to my grandma, to my parents when they die. Right? It made me ask the question, is there something else after I die? Or there's nothing. Right? My fear is that I will just... My greatest fear really is that when I die and there's something else, I'll just float around into the darkness and with no purpose at all. So that was my fear. And you know what? I just praise God that I was able to overcome that fear. Jesus really had the answer. Not because of my own strength or because of the things that I do that I overcame it. It's all because of God. I have found Jesus. I found Jesus. I was eight, um, 2008. I was 18 years, 17 years old in the month of August of 2008, 2008. I have come to know Jesus in a personal way. And he had the answer, I tell you. He had the answer. That you can only find peace in Him. You will never find peace with your own strength because of your efforts. And it will never be enough to appease God. Right? And my fear of dying, completely gone. Now I'm actually excited to what lies after this. Right? So isn't that amazing? That the fear of dying completely vanished. And was replaced with the hope, with the hope and the fact that I will spend eternity in heaven with my maker, with God, and with Jesus, right? So, that's so assuring. So, reassuring, right? So, but the question is, what kind of peace does God give? Does this prince of peace give? Right? 
what kind of peace? He gives two kinds of peace. First is, He gives peace with God. He gives peace with God. Romans 5.1, it reads, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We were once enemy of God because of our sins, right? But because of Jesus Christ, He became our bridge for us to be reconciled with God. And that's the kind of peace that Jesus Christ gives. Secondly, is that He, he gives the peace of God. The first one earlier is He gives peace with God. And this one, He gives the peace of God, right? And Philippians 4, 7 perfectly described it. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So God really is the one, is the peace giver. Jesus is the supreme giver of peace. That's why he is called the Prince of Peace. He reconciles us while we were still his enemies. Right? He has done on the cross for you. He has, what He has done on the cross for you and me, that's the ultimate sacrifice that reconciled us with God. And in the same chapter of what we're studying tonight, 700, again, 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah already described what Jesus will do for you and me. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds, we were healed. Isn't that amazing? The Bible is so accurate. You know that? It's, as I was preparing for this, and it's just amazing, because this is a prophecy already fulfilled. And it's just amazing. Through Jesus Christ alone, that we will be healed and find true peace. We were once God's enemies, but now we are reconciled with Him. But let me remind you folks that peace does not merely mean the absence of conflict. Right? It is this idea that, that not only has the conflict ended, but that there is something better in now, in now its place. Right? So, does it mean that you have come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, you have find peace. It's called the inner peace, right? But, we will still go through struggles. We will still go through conflicts and trials in life. But Jesus Himself said in John 16, 33, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Isn't that amazing? So, as believers of Christ, how do we apply this truth in our life? Because without application, all these things we talk about is useless. How do we apply this into our lives? Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, 
by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. So, it is through prayer. And secondly, it is through obedience that we experience peace. John 13, 17, from the word of Jesus, it reads, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So it's, the, it's about obedience. Obedience is the key. Obedience brings blessings. More than that, obedience is literally living out the life for which you and I were created to live. Right? So truly, Jesus is the best you will ever have this Christmas. He's not just the... He is amazing. He is the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace, mighty God, everlasting Father. The beauty of Christianity, again, is that Christianity is all-inclusive. But at the same time, it's exclusive. So Jesus died and rose again for everyone. It's available to everyone. So if you haven't had the personal relationship yet with Jesus Christ, now is the time. Don't wait because tomorrow is never guaranteed. He leaves it to us because we have free will. So He leaves it to us to accept and receive that truth or to not accept it and decline it. Right? So again, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Call Him that and call Him the Prince of Peace. Let's conclude. So the conclusion is this. Jesus, God is not finished with us yet. Right? So out of approximately 2,500 prophecies in the Bible, 2,000 was already fulfilled within the text. The remaining 500 is going to happen in the future. Who knows when? Could be tomorrow. Right? Isn't that exciting? So, a conclusion is that a promise-keeping God. So He is a promise-keeping God. What He promised, He will fulfill. What He says, He will do. God isn't finished with us yet. You and I, we are part of Jesus' wonderful plan of redemption. So what's your role? As we wait upon our blessed hope, the return of Jesus Christ, our role is to be the representative of Him. That's why we're called Christians. We're little Christ. So as the person that doesn't know Jesus, look at you. He should see Jesus in you. Let that shine. Let Jesus shine in you, right? So Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 is his wonderful promise, right? Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So that's the promise of God for you and me. That the peace will be no end. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more despair. It's all about joy. Right? 
Church, I give you the world's final and greatest king, the king to end all kings, whose kingdom and peace will never stop expanding. I give you the rescuer that we all need. I give you the leader that we all long for. I give you the greatest gift you will ever have. I give you Jesus. Let us close in prayer. Father God in heaven, Jesus, we just praise you and thank you. For you are good. You're the perfect, wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace. You're the everlasting Father, mighty God. And Lord, we thank you for what you have done for you, for us, Lord God. That you have died on that cross, Lord. And rose again for my sake and for everybody's sake, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that you have saved us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us eternal life. Lord, I pray that this will be the day that we come to, we become obedient to you, Lord God. I pray, Jesus, that we will represent you as we go out there. Let this be the day where we will truly experience your peace, that we will truly experience your wonderful counsel. Lord God, help us, help us to be a better follower of yours. Help us to be more intimate with you, Lord God. Help us to come to know you more, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, to those who are listening, that I pray for that person, that that person didn't know you yet, as his personal Lord and Savior. Let this be the night, Lord God, that he will come to know you, or she will come to know you. Thank you once again, Lord, for everything that you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.